You're listening to the Americans for Truth Hour with your host, Peter LaBarbera. Each week, you'll hear compelling interviews with everyday heroes on the front lines of the culture war. People who put faith and truth above the lies of political correctness. Americans for Truth Hour will help you to stay informed and engaged on the side of life, marriage, and the God-ordained family. Please stand with us as we work to make America, in the words of President Ronald Reagan, a shining city on the hill. And once again, one nation under God. And now, here's Peter LaBarbera. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Americans for Truth Hour. We're excited that you're listening. If you're listening live, this is uh, Saturday night, 11 o'clock Central Time, so you are a dedicated culture warrior. And we have our last part. The sad news is it's our part four uh, and final uh, installment of our interview with Judith Reisman. And the problem with interviewing Judith, she's so interesting. Uh, she's got so much information crammed in just one of her books. Uh, there's a lot of questions I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to have asked her. Uh, and by the time this is over, uh, I won't have asked them. So, uh, Judith, welcome back. And thank you for uh, uh, agreeing to this interview. I'm delighted always to chat with you, my friend. Yes, you're, you are a great American. I know that <laughs> Hannity has made that a cliche now, the great American. But you are truly a, a treasure for this country because you are a really um, a truth teller. Judith is uh, the author of uh, many books. Uh, how many books have you written again, Judith? Mm, well, depending on how you count, five. Okay. Uh, so. You've got some books that like never quite got to the final book stage. I know that. And I wanted to talk to you about your your research project on uh, gay male uh, relationships, and maybe we can get into that. But her most recent mm-hmm. book is Sexual Sabotage. Uh, the one I've been studying for this interview is Kinsey Crimes and Consequences, which is excellent, Judith. It's just crammed with information. And mm-hmm. uh, Judith's website is drjudithreisman.com. That's drjudithreisman. That's R-E-I-S-M-A-N.com. And it's got all her articles, links to them. And uh, Judith, congratulations. You are now the visiting professor of law at Liberty University School of Law. Yes, yes, yes. I think that's very wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to having an opportunity to work more on amicus briefs at Liberty University Law School and doing some uh, teaching. Uh, Very much needed in terms of forensic human sexuality got to kind of get people out there understanding of our history and of the reality of the human sexuality um, frauds that have been perpetrated. Yeah, looking forward to it. And, you know, Judith, I wanted to start by getting your reaction to uh, the gay marriage vote in New York. We saw a Republican-dominated, controlled Senate in New York Mm -hmm. voted to pass Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. same-sex marriage. Now, the first question I have for you, Judith, is... What is, as a, as a person, as a, a conservative, uh, biblical-based moralist, what is your opinion? What do you think about same so-called same-sex marriage? Well, you know, Peter, um, as you know, uh, my argument for years has been that the data sustain very clearly um, early sexual abuse as a foundational component of uh, homosexual conduct, okay? Um, now, that we've had so much recruitment in the schools is, is exacerbating that, but, but the fact that, that early sex abuse, in my view, which has uh, destroyed the lives of homosexuals, really, has become a political tool 
uh, to to destroy even more lives is is a very serious problem. Um, and you know the research I did with a statistician, Doctor Doctor uh, Charles Johnson, way back, which looked at the Advocate, which was the premier homosexual magazine at the time. Uh, did this was a completely objective or, as, or as, as objective as anything could be using their own data analysis of homosexual desires and so forth and, and marriage was never in the cards and never in the cards because it's not part of the homosexual lifestyle it simply isn't um, and and the the fact that uh, this has been perpetuated you know we're talking average uh, 100 and some um partners as it, we are not talking about any kind of long term relationships and that's based on homosexual research and homosexual researchers in themselves which are quote extensively um it's not part of that lifestyle it it simply isn't and it never was and it never will be historically and so, so does that mean that that same sex so called marriage will end up doing more to change marriage than it will to be to change homosexual people in homosexual relationships? Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're not, you're not going to, um, to cause the homosexual lifestyle to alter. This is a high drug consuming, alcohol consuming, uh, culture with multiple partners. That's, that's part of the, the, ambiance, if you will, of the, uh, of the experience. Uh, that's why when you go to homosexual uh, parades, uh, so many guys are half naked and women are, you know, naked and half naked and, and running around uh, dressed as sadomasochists. I mean, that's not what you see when the Catholic uh, Church is marching for, for you know, uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, people don't get stripped and, and run around with whips and, and so forth. So uh, the homosexual movement has made itself very, very clear. Uh, but as as optimists, Americans are always optimists, uh, nobody wants to believe what they see. They don't want to believe what they read. They don't want to believe what they see. And yes, of course, the media has shut down access to the information, but still uh, it's, it's very, very difficult to get past the bias that has now been established by mass media. Glee, this teenage show, has these two young boys you know, passionately kissing, I love you, Tommy, I love you, Johnny. And, you know, people's hearts go out to people who appear to be suffering. Well, uh, you know, the, the fact is that, and I think I mentioned this before, my biggest, uh, one of my biggest complaints, of course, is that we really are looking at long-term seduction of boys and, and girls by, by lesbians, less so, but, but certainly boys. By, by a subculture within the homosexual movement that nobody does anything about. And we're looking at thousands, thousands of people dying of AIDS because they have been sexually assaulted, in effect murdered, by adult males who have sex with them. And the data that are very clear and our quotes from the homosexual movement are clear that this is something that's understood within the homosexual movement and is participated in. We did an analysis of the Queen's vernacular, the homosexual dictionary. Um, now that's a bunch of, a bunch but, of slang terms that, were, uh, that are used and were used in the, uh, the homosexual subculture. And are used, and are used, mm-hmm. uh, 
Yeah, there's no question about that. It, it was republished as um, gay talk. And an analysis of that dictionary identified the highest number of words were for sex with boys. Now, what dictionary is that? They're talking about chicken and butchered chicken and, and head over heels. What's, what's, what's the definition for chicken? Oh, it's a boy. I have it in the documentation from from the dictionary, and that's a boy under age, you know, uh, new to oh, who has not experienced homosexual experiences, that sort of thing, and who is then seduced and recruited into it. I mean, there's not any argument within the homosexual community, within the homosexual movement. They know what they're standing for, and we optimistic, naive Americans, you know, just can't believe that can be true of. Tom, who we know across the street, and he seems so nice, and he probably is. But but you're talking about damaged folks who've who've experienced very heartbreaking uh, backgrounds for the most part, and this was fully understood until you know our friend Kinsey came on board to say it's all natural and normal, um, and and now uh, it's we're seducing more and more people into into lives that destroy them and then help destroy the society. Yeah. Yeah, Judith, it's it's really amazing the stuff that's not reported in the mainstream media. I was mm-hmm. uh, I got a copy of uh the Village Voice uh which is the liberal newspaper in in uh, New York area has uh every year it comes out with its gay pride issue. It's called the queer issue in 2011. And there's so there's the the Village Voice with its so-called queer issue and mm-hmm. on page 16 of it is a headline Generation HIV, young gay men, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. young, young yeah. gay men at risk. There's one group that yeah. is seeing HIV rates accelerating, 20-something gay men. And let me just mm-hmm. read you the first paragraph, Judith. Um, three decades ago, the sexual revolution skidded to a halt. Today, gay young men, today, gay young gay and bisexual men, especially men of color, account for the most alarming surges in new HIV diagnoses and represent the only demographic group whose rates of infection have continued to climb each year since since antiretroviral drug therapies introduced in the mid-90s gave patients hope. The highest rate... I have to tell you, yeah, yeah, please let me interrupt you. People have to go to my website and see the article. I was just looking at it actually on the Pink Swastika as Holocaust Revisionist History, the Pink Swastika as Holocaust Revisionist History, because what you're really looking at here, and I'll talk to you about that in just a second in terms of the Jewish thing and what happened to Nazi Germany, but these boys, these aren't young gay men. These are boys who were raped by adult males. That's statutory rape. They die. They get AIDS. And what happens? They blame the boys and call them gay. It's, she says, no, 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 but she means yes, yes, yes. It's all just reinvented, mm-hmm. only it's reinvented for the dying young boys who then get, get uh, why? Because, and I've documented this in, in numerous places, um, the drive after AIDS was exposed, the drive by adult homosexuals to say, we have to do something about the young boys and girls who are no longer wanting to associate with homosexuals because they fear AIDS. We've got to get close to them, get into the schools and so forth. 
Yeah, and Judith, you wonder, how does, how does it, uh, it says the age group of 13 to 29, how does somebody 13 get HIV? Mm-hmm. It's that a, means he was raped when he was about nine. Right, we're talking to Judith Reisman. Uh, she Her website is drjudithreisman.com, that's R-E-I-S-M-A-N.com. Our website is americansfortruth.org, americansfortruth.org. We'll be right back with Judith after the break. This is the Americans for Truth Hour. I'm Pete LaBarber, president of Americans for Truth. We are an organization, our full name, Americans for Truth, about homosexuality. We are a single-issue organization devoted to opposing and exposing the powerful homosexual activist movement, which just through a massive lobby effort abated mainly by the Democrats, but also by some Republicans, including some wealthy neocons, Judith, uh, pushed same-sex marriage through. And I, I just wanted to ask you, could you ever have foreseen that it would come this fast, Judith, that you would actually see in the year 2011 uh, a legislature voting in so-called same-sex marriage? I think the huge publicity blitz by the mass media, as well as bribery and blackmail, please understand blackmail, very important. It isn't just uh, Barney Frank, you know, with all of his secrets in his basement and all that sort of thing, but anybody else that you can catch doing all sorts of surreptitious sexual things can get blackmailed. And as our society becomes more and more corrupt, you can pretty much nail almost any politician. so, So we've got a lot of people hopping on the bandwagon. And then a lot of people who want to be invited to the parties and don't want to be called homophobes and that right. sort of thing. And bigots. Yeah, so, yeah. And, but I want to go back to where you were in terms of, of that 13-year-old. Okay. Um, the 13-year-old who, who contracts HIV. Yeah, yeah. So you're really looking at mass, m- mass rape of boys. That's what it is. Mass rape of boys. And I told you before that the national, I think I did, that the, um, then the uh, Department of Justice research, 64% of forcible sodomy victims have been identified as boys under age 12. Now, come on, guys. Who do you think is raping these boys, you know, and who's being arrested for that? And yet we're going to say that we're going to force marriage, quote unquote, all over the country, and we're going to penalize Christians or Jews who dare say that, um, that this isn't the same as being a, a black or a sexual minority. Give me a break. So you're, you're really dealing with a massive propaganda campaign, which always brings me back to Hitler Germany, because we know now, of course, that Hitler himself was homosexual. Finally, that came out, you know. And we know, we've known all along, that so many, if not the majority of his followers, were either bisexual and or homosexual. And um, the, the, the co-op of the Holocaust by by the homosexual movement actually is what got me involved in this whole thing. Well, that and one other thing in the first place um, by saying that that uh, that homosexuals were being victimized by the Nazis um, just like the Jews, and that was always ridiculous. Um, anyone ha- sits down and reads Mein Kampf, which is my you know the story that I mean uh, Hitler's uh, statement about who he hates and who he wants to get rid of. You look in vain for a word about inverts or homosexuality or anything else um, in that in that statement, and you will not find it unless an editor has a little comment at the bottom. But you will find hundreds. I, I 
tallied them at one point, and it was a 280, I don't remember how many, maybe it was more, references to Jews as parasites and that sort of thing, references to Christians as bad guys, Asians, blacks. Um, but you're certainly not going to find anything going against homosexuals because Hitler absolutely never disfavored macho homosexuals, just commie homosexuals and uh, and feminine homosexuals, as Scott Lively and... and um, Kevin Abrams pointed out in in their book, The Pig Swastika. Interesting. And certainly there was, uh, Why My Republic, there was a lot of uh, cultural uh, resentment towards the uh, sort of anything-goes sexuality that was happening. So you're saying that there was, and Mein Kampf had no critique, no no references to homosexuality. That says this is bad. <laughs> yeah, and he There's was discovered. Condo- no, I, no, I was discovered. Uh, he was discovered by a homosexual Ernst Rome. I just re- remember reading that from one of Scott's books mm-hmm. that, or uh, that Hitler himself was discovered by a flagrant homosexual pervert, uh, Ernst Rome, which is into place by Ernst Rome. He was put into place by the brown shirts, which were the bully boys. Um, you know, that's another issue in terms of homosexuality: very strong bullying, and that's cross culturally and historically strong bullying uh you know you're saying by homosexuals oh yeah. yeah oh yeah major bullies um you know and that's and i think understood. it continues i want to say that wait it's to be understood that any massive group of males who are not being constrained and humanized by females will be bullies they will be tyrants, and that is exactly what you see with the male homosexual movement, and lesbians increasingly so. Yeah, and this bullying aspect really needs to come out. I'm, I'm amazed now to see Dan Savage, the uh, homosexual. He's really a, a twisted fellow. Um, he, he's risen now to the top of the, of the homosexual activist chain there. He's he's more and more being featured as one of the representatives. This is a guy who's who's a total cultural bully. He tried to uh, infamously tried to give Gary Bauer a cold. He, he created Santorum.com and redefined Senator Rick Santorum's last name as the byproduct of of anal sex. I mean, this guy is creepy evil, and yet he is, because the media never wants to criticize homosexuality, or God forbid they they actually uh, push a gay activist like him outside the box so he's not allowed in to this cultural debate. But instead, Judith, he's featured as, you know, one of their heroes now. Well, just remember that, you know, NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, led by Harry Hay, walked with the homosexual movement all along. And I attended a big homosexual march way back in Wisconsin some years ago when Dan, uh, uh, Dammer, yeah, Joe, what's his name? Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. I was standing there when Jeffrey Dahmer, I saw it on TV later, and I said, my gosh, that's the guy. I was standing there when Jeffrey Dahmer, who who was raping and murdering little boys, you know, that he picked up uh, through the homosexual connections that he had. Um, I was standing there when Jeffrey Dahmer was half naked with his little, you know, Gestapo uh, clothing, uh, not clothing, but, you know, the, the straps across their the, the chest and the black boots and that sort of thing. When he came, and that's another thing that's very common, you know, is that cowboys or, or Nazis, you know, the Luftwaffe caps and all that stuff. When when he came marching toward us with a whip and that kind of business, and I thought, what a wacko. And yeah, so nobody talks about where these boys are getting picked up, how they're getting statutory rape, 
how they are dying, and, and everybody is weeping for the guys who are doing it to them. Now, I have a real problem with that because my whole background is in child sexual abuse and the defense of children, and it seems as though the only children we're willing to defend are little girls who might be raped by adult men, but not little boys, not young boys who are raped by adult men. Yeah, and Judith, let's switch over because I've got so many questions for you and we've only got this show to do them. Uh, you, you talk about how Kinsey uh, wanted to change uh, the... Our nation was rooted in biblical common law and, mm-hmm. and Kinsey destroyed, wanted to, wanted to get rid of that. Um, you wrote uh, in your book, Kinsey Crimes uh, and Consequences, you said... Um, uh, in 1989, none less than the National Research Council wrote of America as mm-hmm. the pre-Kinsey and post-Kinsey eras, just as America's founders inscribed these biblical laws into the fabric of the new nation. It was against these fixed American common law principles that Kinsey, his team, and his legal colleagues labored in intrigue. Quote, the fixed American common law foundation was fundamentally problematic for Kinsey and his colleagues. Uh, talk about mm. that. Good. Oh, I, I like that. Yeah, you yeah, have a lot okay. of jewels in here. It's a, this, is, this is, folks, this is a book to be studied. I, I know, you know, we always we always rave about our guests, but but Judith, you got to get this book, Kinsey Crimes and Consequences, because I guarantee you, no matter how much you think you know about America, the the uh, sexual ed movement, the whole sexual revolution, you you'll you'll realize how much you don't know when you read this book. So so the we talk about well, what we used to have a common law, a fixed moral yeah, principle yeah, as the sure. basis for our laws. Yeah, yeah. You see, you can't change laws. I, uh, I, was, I realized this as I was trying to understand what had happened to our rape laws, okay? And I picked up an article by Estrich, Susan Estrich, who was a very liberal uh, Dukakis gal. Feminist. And, and she, yeah, right. Uh-huh. And, and she, in the middle of his, her article for Harvard Law Review, as I recall, she, she said, well, she was, I just don't understand this. She says, uh, the laws before Kinsey, that is before 1948, when when it was restrictive and everything, those laws were tougher on rapists than the laws have been since our liberal guys have gotten into power. And she couldn't understand how that happened, you know. And so I started researching the rape laws, and lo and behold, yeah, what happened was that after Kinsey gutted our, it was used in every state and by every state legislature, and then by judges and so forth, to gut the common law. Um, then, then, yeah, all of the laws that were protecting women and children got gutted. And how does that happen? Well, you can't change laws in a culture, at least you couldn't, unless you had a better body of research, a better, a better source, you know, to change it with, a, a better reference. Well, we, all, we had the common law, which is built on biblical law, right? So what happened was Kinsey stepped into this, this place, and he said, no, no, no. The, the common law, which is based on biblical law, it's, it really doesn't work here in the United States because I've done the scientific research. I have found that adultery is harmless, yet the, the Bible says it's harmful. I have found that sex between adults and children is harmless, but the Bible says you can't do that sort of thing. I have found that, uh, that rape doesn't really cause any trauma, but the Bible says, you know, you, you can't go around raping people and get away with it, and the laws were based upon that. So, um, 
we shifted from what was called the common law, the biblical law, the Judeo-Christian law, to what would then be called the scientific law, the sex scientific law. And from there, we got Kinsey claiming that 10 to 37 percent of the population is homosexual, so sodomy is harmless, that adultery is harmless, because he said, oh, uh, yeah, because he said 87 percent of our single women who uh, had abortions, that was harmless. And he said that abortion, uh, yeah, that abortion was harmless, 27 percent of our marriage. Married women were having a boy. So there are all sorts of lies that gutted our laws and turned our nation into where we are right now. Well, yeah, and this is so crucial, Judith, because most Americans, I guarantee it, would have no idea that there were much stronger penalties. Most people have grown up grown up in this liberal system, which was so influenced by this guy Kinsey, held up as an authority, even though he was a sadomasochistic, perverted pedophile, as you called him in our last interview. We'll be right back with Judith Reisman after the break. Welcome back, everybody. We're in the part four of a four-part interview with Dr. Judith Reisman, who is uh, has just been appointed uh, as the visiting professor of law at Liberty University School of Law. That's the place where there's some real uh, terrific truth tellers. Uh, doc, uh, professor Rena Lindevaldson, uh, Matt Barber is over there. This is, of course, all Liberty, which has Matt Staver, who who does such tremendous work. Um, so they're really building a team over there, and I encourage you. Uh, to uh, get information about Liberty University School of Law. Uh, if you have a, a child who's interested in affecting the culture but doesn't want to get brainwashed by uh, academia, because uh, all of liberal academia teaches Kinsey, most of it, right, Judith? Oh, yeah. Kinsey is, oh, the, yeah. Kinsey sure. is the norm uh, uh, in uh, legal studies. Uh, but as we've learned, Kinsey is about, uh, was about as far from normal as you could get. Now, Judith, you were talking about the common law and mm-hmm. what happened was Kinsey publishes this great study. Kinsey is revered by the uh, the what we would call now the liberal media of his time. And mm-hmm. so he publishes this book, which oh, just happens to have this uh, these data from child molesters. <laughs> oh, boy. What an what an oversight. We in the media just didn't just didn't think that was worth exposing. So he publishes this book. He's feeded everywhere. He's put on Time magazine. He is now the authority. They needed a new authority to get rid of the old authority, which was basically our common Judeo-Christian understanding. And so yeah, yeah. after all this happens. So he got a sexual psychopath to become the new authority. Yeah, a sexual psychopath who was a weirdo, twisted pervert from his boyhood. Um, That's another thing we just didn't think was relevant. But anyways, he's the new authority. And so after this book comes out with a few, uh, there was a few Judith Reismans of their time trying to say, hey, wait a minute, hold off. Don't hold this guy up. But they were, of course, overrun by the so-called mainstream media, right, Judith? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So their Certainly voice wasn't were. heard. Who, who were just a couple of those people who, who you look back to and say, wow, I, they were doing something at least. Who was one of those people? Well, Trilling, Trilling actually tried. He was very popular at the time. Even, even Maslow tried to repudiate. These were very, very well-known people. Kinsey was a nobody, really. Uh, he was made somebody because of the Rockefeller money that put him up into the front page of every newspaper. And remember, in 1917, we, the, the, uh, the uh, congressional uh, report you know, already identified the fact that the mass media was being taken over by uh, the, the moneyed forces, and they were going to be controlling the editors and everybody else. And so, yeah, so the newspapers, even at that point, 
were shifting gears and doing whatever the power power players told them to do. And they wanted to support Kinsey. And they wanted to support these kinds of lies. They didn't want seduction. Remember, in 1948, seduction was against the law. And, and, and it was a felony in California. You couldn't whisper sweet nothings into some girl's ear. Well... That's because there was a whole different view of girls and girlhood than we have today. And so let's, you know, so so the whole idea was to create a a new legal system. Okay, so let me talk about, okay, let let me talk about now, after the book came out, then they switched over and they, and they, they're promoting this thing called the Model Penal Code. And I want to quote from uh, and get your comments. Uh, page 205 of your book, uh, Kinsey Crimes and Consequences, which is, by the way, available through WorldNet Daily, as is uh, Judith's new book, Sexual Sabotage. WorldNet Daily Books. Just go to WND.com. Go to their bookstore. And you want to get this book. But you talk about the goals of the Model Penal Code. And let me just tick them off, and then let's talk about them. Number mm-hmm. one, uh, eliminate or trivialize common law uh, that criminalized male Violence towards women and children, statutory mm-hmm. rape laws, seduction, homosexual rape, mm-hmm. wife, wife, child battery, incest, etc. Number two, eliminate or trivialize common laws that criminalized abuse of the institution of marriage. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Number three, mm-hmm. eliminate or trivialize common laws. Again, we have the biblical based common law leading to mm-hmm. granting of child uh, uh, custody to immoral, unsafe persons. This is the change. They, they used to keep mm-hmm. children away from immoral, unsafe people. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. they want to give mm-hmm. them custody. And, of course, if t- today we're seeing the granting of custody to open homosexual practitioners, which is just to me bizarre to, to pretend that homosexuals are as good for children as people who, who you know, practicing normal sexuality. That's weird. But number four, Judith, eliminate or trivialize obscenity. So mm-hmm. pornography. So um, the the penal code, now, was this largely successfully established? How many states? Did every state uh, go... end up uh, yeah, enacting the yeah. penal code every, every single every single state in the union has adopted uh, all or in part the the model penal code that was created that's based on kinsey and the lawrence decision which normalized sodomy uh just in 2004 i think it was or 2003 i forgot which the lawrence versus texas decision actually cites for its justification 100 percent really to saw to kinsey because it's it cites as its major the 1955 model penal code, which is 100% Kinsey on sodomy, and it cites to then uh, the the uh, homosexual researchers who all cite this in Kinsey because there's nobody else to cite to to claim that this is a normal way of life. And in terms of obscenity, yeah, well, Kinsey was a himself a pornography addict. Um, he uh, was forcing. Uh, his all the women that were married to his lover uh, to his lover uh, co-authors to uh, perform, including his wife, for uh, pornography. Uh, he himself, of course, is impotent, which is always going to happen to pornography users. Everybody out there, wake up and smell the coffee. Well, not just uh, not he, just pornography users. He was abusing himself, so that must have helped, right? Well, yeah, that was definitely part of it. I mean, he yeah. brutalized himself, something unbelievable. And I, as we said just before, climbs into the bathtub and, and, and cuts himself for, to try and, and circumcise himself, because at that time, of course, that was definitely a, a more desirable image within the homosexual community was uncircumcised guys. And so, you know, he was found in the tub bleeding all over the place. Um, 
Yeah, we said he hung himself from from his uh, organs and, uh, you know, felt... I mean, this is a totally insane thing. You, you know, and another, what's so insane, Judith, is that, you know, when you when somebody says, hey, I got a, I got a great new drug and, and we try the drug out and later it's learned through further research that the drug causes cancer or has these terrible side effects, the drug is taken off the shelf. But here we have the model penal code. All our laws change. Penalties reduced mm-hmm. for rape. And then, hey, hey, here, hey, look, the guy who's behind all this uh, turns out, well, he was a pet. He was, you know, consorting with pedophiles. He was a, a terrible self-abusing pervert and uh, homosexually all distorted research uh, made it seem like adultery and homosexuality were more commonplace. But the laws were never changed. All well, those actually, laws, you know, they, mm-hmm. they were just, they, yeah. they kept the laws, even though they were based on this fraud. Yeah, well, that's, of course, because we can't get it into public. Uh, the New York Times hasn't chosen to review my book, nor has any other mainstream, uh, you know, media vehicle, because they wouldn't dare. Uh, this would throw everything into a, into a cocked hat. But we now have, have at least four new victims who are victims who have come forward, one of them being a young uh, a man who was uh, used, uh, sent, sold by his father to homosexuals, including to, to Kinsey apparently, and who was sexually violated by Kinsey's uh, team and who recalls um, himself uh, being engaged sexually with with Kinsey in a a way that Kinsey would have would have appreciated. Um, and so we're, we're putting together a group of people and starting to discuss the whole idea of a call out for any children or, I mean, any adults who feel between, who were born between the ages of 1938, which is when Kinsey started, and 1956 was when the, the conclusion of the research. Anyone uh, within that space of time who feels that they were sexually abused by any of Kinsey and Kinsey's people uh, to come forward because we. We want to get those those files at the Kinsey Institute open that they've locked to the public illegally. And and these all anybody who feels that they have been so damaged has standing to come forward and say, uh, we believe that those crimes may reflect us, may reflect me. Uh, there was cinema taken. Uh, they have the films at the Kinsey Institute, child pornography. Uh, and they have the records of a lot of the, the people who have been victimizing these children. And they continue to get these records even even as we speak. So there's crime, massive crime. It's worse than Tuskegee. It's worse than the LSD experiments because we're talking about roughly 2,035 children whose lives were tort- they were tortured, their lives were ruined, and they were used as experimental subject skinny pigs to change the laws in this nation. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you what, um, Indiana, uh, politicians in Indiana, go for it. I mean, these this Kinsey Institute should be hauled before a congressional committee. It should be investigated. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a grand jury. We'll, we'll, pick, we'll take either one. So we're working on that right now and uh, take all the support we can get on it. Well, now, Judith, let's. We got up two minutes to the break, and then we got the nine-minute segment, the last one. But talk about now. How did okay the practical effects now? Rape. What would have happened had a man raped an underage girl, say back in the '40s, versus a man, <laughs> say in a liberal state? Let's take uh, Illinois or New York. A man rapes well, let's an go un- back. 
Yeah. And we'll say that in 1948, when Kinsey's book came out, uh, half the states in this country offered the death penalty for rape. And it didn't have to be rape of a child. It was just general all-around rape. And you didn't have to cut off somebody's arms and legs, as most you know people think now. Uh, it, rape was considered to be a, a horror. As a matter of fact, Theodore Roosevelt said that rape was worse than murder. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Good man. Uh, so that was the attitude of our people back then, even in 1948. So half the states would get the death penalty. It doesn't mean you'd really get killed, but it sure means you, you, that's a pretty good scare and you'd be locked up for a very long time. The, other, the rest of the states, pretty much except for one, would give uh, life in prison, imprisonment. Now we're talking about you know, plea bargains and reducing uh, rape to any number of mischievous events, right? And and we're talking about giving maybe no no time at all, getting out on parole, or you know two two years, maybe six, maybe maybe maybe. So we've gone from the death penalty to uh, to either nothing and parole or a few years and parole. Well, I'll tell you what. Anybody raped uh, one of my daughters, and it would take everything within me not to engage in vigilante justice. I mean, it's just appalling, uh, Judith. And uh, wow. We have one more segment with Judith Reisman. Her website is drjudithreisman.com. That's drjudithreisman.com. Our website is americansfortruth.org, where we will have the archives of these interviews. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to our last segment of part four of our interview with Judith Reisman. And I know you've endo- uh, those of you who've listened to them all, yeah, you will um, have enjoyed them. Uh, Judith, it's great to have you, and I'm so glad that you will be at Liberty University School of Law. Judith, um, okay, now you said half the states had the death penalty for rape. I can't imagine mm-hmm. a child molester uh, getting off. What, what happened? Did they? I mean, well, first of all, has was there much less of child molestation back in the 30s, the 40s? I mean, how how much more well, is there sure, now than there course. was? Yes. No, of course it was less. There isn't even any issue yeah. there. You're talking about most kids coming from families with a mother and a father where they felt that it was their responsibility to oversee their children. You're talking about a society that made all sorts of drug consumption completely illegal, so nobody was sufficiently relaxed to do any bloody thing they felt like doing. Uh, it was a culture that even condemned alcohol, remember? Alcohol consumption. Right. Uh, not that we didn't have those problems. You know, every society has problems, but that was very much under control. We had a higher, a much higher rate of, of church attendance, and there was serious church attendance to yeah. a greater or lesser extent. Um, so, yeah, of course, and, and kids, look, I grew up in those years. Kids could go out and play. Here's the answer. Nobody worried about their children going out to play. You know, my mom right. and dad always used to say, go out and, you know, sure, go have a good time, but be home in time for dinner, right? Be home before dark. Well, not because they were so much afraid of the dark and what would happen, but because you had to be there for dinner and get your homework done. So we've moved to a time when parents rightly walk the, even their semi-adult children practically, you know, to the bus stop and stand with them. I've watched that. Mm. So people are worried to death about what will happen to their kids, and they worry for good reason. The laws have been completely gutted. Uh, look, one of the reasons I went into all this, too, and got started on all this, and it's in the book, is my little daughter, when she was 10, gets raped by, you know, I never thought of such things, by, an, by the, the juvenile lived above us, a 
13-year-old boy. Well, it turns out he was sexually assaulting children all over the neighborhood. <sighs> but the laws had changed enough so that the issue, as Ronald Reagan said, was to look after the predator and not the victim. And so nobody was telling anyone that this kid was a serial child rapist, right? Yeah. He was seeing therapists at the time. He was getting, he was getting therapy. And, and, and it was completely acceptable not to tell anybody and to let this kid out on the street. And that's the same case now with adults. So is there more child abuse? Of course. Yes. Look at your pornography. I yes. mean, look at the. And I want to, Judith, on the pornography 5, 000, that. Wait a minute. 5,200 guys downloading, downloading child pornography it was 5,200. At the Pentagon that we know of, and nobody is really. Well, yeah, they had, it, I think, three or four people get arrested. But what happened to the rest of them? So, is there more child sexual? Of course there's more child yes. sexual abuse. What do you think? Yes. Well, that was, yeah, and I knew the answer, <laughs> Judith. But. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we haven't had time to get into all your work on pornography, but obviously the explosion of pornography. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that Hugh Hefner called himself Kinsley's pamphleteer, and Mm -hmm. uh, it just Mm -hmm. exploded. And that genie is out of the bottle. It's hard to get, you know, get controls on that now. Um, The effect of pornography on crime and sex crimes, uh, it's almost hard to quantify, isn't it, Judith? Yeah, I mean, you you can't quantify it. And the reason you can't quantify it is because it's gotten so bad that the data had to be altered. I've written on that, uh, you know, the the way on the rape laws, um, and that's on my website, uh, on the reports on rape. Uh, Allegedly, you know, we went through this real downslide in rape. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, if if you read cast rape as as mischievous adventure or if you recast rape by simply losing all of the reports as they did in New York and and I've forgotten the other states it's in my report and you know yeah then you can say that your rape rates are lowered well you know how many thousands I remember how many thousands of rape cases were simply put into a box somewhere in New York so that they could lower their rape rates well why did they do that they did that because you'd lose your job if you reported too much rape in your general in your community and you you want the community not to be frightened, and so you say, no, 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 things are so much better now. Right. Just like homicide. Is there more or is there less homicide? Well, of course there's more homicide, but the fact is that with the advances in, and Lieutenant uh, Colonel uh, Grossman has, has documented this in his books on teaching our children to kill. With the advancement in, uh, in the ability to emergency, of emergency vehicles to get to the site of a, of a crime and the swift communication that we now have, you know, pick up the cell phone. Yeah, you've had fewer homicides, I mean, fewer deaths from the attacks that were attempted to be homicides and the drive-by shootings and all that. Everybody knows things are worse. They won't go into neighborhoods. They won't let their children out on the streets. Uh, They hide in their houses and they watch TV dramas about how all the, you know, the heroes are solving all our problems. And now you see the, you see the young, you you talked about how you've got these, you know, Chelsea's Law and uh, all these laws, which yeah. are basically because of the the things got so bad, 
that we uh, there was a, just a populist movement now to re uh, to make these crimes uh, the punishments much stronger. But you you say right, that's right. Uh, the, what few people realize is that all of this goes way back to it traces back to Kinsey why these oh, young people are being victimized. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we said in my new book, Sexual Sabotage, there's been a lot of time on how the baby boomers became who the baby boomers are, although their parents were the greatest generation and saved the world from the Axis terrorists, right? So how did the, the greatest generation produce this sex, drugs, rock and roll people who then have evolved into this drug consuming bunch that have turned into the, uh, you know, Generation X and Generation Porn and all that sort of thing? So I go through all that. And yes, uh, look, Hugh Hefner was typical of your college of your college students, even back as far as the late 1950s, 1960. He was a virgin. Most guys were virgins in college, as certainly girls were. And then he says he read Kinsey. This is him. He says he read Kinsey's book, and by golly, Kinsey showed him that everybody was doing all this sexual stuff. His parents were doing it, according to Kinsey, and so. He said, wow, and all these years he has been denying himself and he was going to go, and I'm quoting him over and over again, that he would be Kinsey's pamphleteer. He would popularize to the general public all of Kinsey's beliefs in terms of bestiality, in terms of homosexuality, in terms of no-fault divorce. Look, Hefner was on the board. He was the first guy out of the out of the, uh, the horse thing, I'm a jig, you know, to push for no-fault divorce. He didn't want guys to have to pay alimony, and he fought for that. Um, he, of course, was divorcing his wife. So, so yeah, we had virgins in the 1960s in our colleges, and and one of the big statements about that virginity thing made by the uh, this couple that was very pro that wrote all the law stuff at the time, uh, the Ensenbergers, I think they were called or whatever. Got a minute, le- a minute left, Judith, so, so summarize it up for oh, us. Oh, okay. All right. So, he, yeah, so so the the pornography revolution comes as, and the and the NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, evolved straight, right dab out of Kinsey, and that's what they all say. They testify to that. The pedophiles claim Kinsey hold Kinsey's research dear. It's he that we owe to which, you know, we owe him our success in society. And Ken, and Hefner has said the same thing. So this massive revolution has come about because of this one deviant, wacko, sexual, psychopathic pedophile. Uh, we need some Americans to begin to understand that and to begin to apply that in terms of their the, what they know about no-fault divorce and what they know about the way their laws were gutted. And we get to my website, people. It's yes. free. Yeah, thank you so much, Judith. We appreciate you. And I do want people to get Judith's books. Her, her recent one is Sexual Sabotage. Go to drjudithreisman.com. That's drjudithreisman.com. You can also go to our website, americansfortruth.org, and get the past interviews. Thank you so much. God bless you. This was the Americans for Truth Hour with your host, Peter LaBarbera. Tune in Saturdays at 11 p.m. to hear compelling interviews with everyday heroes on the front lines of the culture war. People who put faith and truth above the lies of political correctness. Stay informed and engaged on the issues of life, marriage, and the God-ordained family. Please stand with them as they work to make America, in the words of President Ronald Reagan, a shining city on the hill. And once again, one nation under God. 
the Americans for Truth Hour, Saturdays at 11 p.m. on AM 1160.